1: Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Don Fite, administrator of the Little Flower Parish in Middle Branch. Good morning, Father. Good morning to you, Tim. It's a joy to be with you and all our listeners again today. Yeah, it's great to have you. We're going to continue our discussion from the UCAT about what we believe as Catholics. And today we're going to talk about moral and natural law. In question 333 of the UCAT asks, is there a natural law that everyone can
2: know? And the Catechism says, if we're going to do good, if we're going to avoid evil toward each other, uh, there has to be some certainty about what is good and what is evil. And thanks be to our Creator, huh? he planted uh, a certain natural law. Uh, it's it, it's called natural uh, because it's... it's uh, Planted within our very nature as human beings, uh, it's called law because it implies that there are rules that we have to live by if we're going to really achieve uh, our vocation, which is obviously to, to live uh, in, not just in unity with each other, but to live in unity with God forever. Uh, so yes, uh, there is a natural law. Uh, it's a moral law because it talks to us about what is right to do, what's wrong to do. And uh, uh, it points out here that uh, it can be known, this natural law, uh, in principle at least, by the very reason that God gave us. We should be able to figure it out, uh, what's right and what's wrong. Um, But again, I think that also uh, assumes a well-formed conscience.
1: And if we weren't raised properly or for whatever reason we don't have a well-formed conscience, Mm even though it's inscribed in our hearts and in our souls, it still is a challenge if, we don't, if we're not aware of what is pleasing to God, for example, right. in and order
2: I, to live our lives and properly. And I, I think one of the things that Pope John Paul uh, made us very aware of is that the culture in which we are growing up has so much to do with how much we grasp uh, in our families uh, and are able to teach our children. Uh, so uh, there needs to be a... Um, Uh, help that we're we're given. So uh, even in in that question, uh, it it says here in the Catechism, because our natural knowledge is so often troubled by our sinfulness, our human weakness, we need God's help. And so he chose to reveal to us even the natural law. Okay. The compendium of the
1: uh, Catechism, uh, question 415 asks, what is moral law? It says, the moral law is a work of divine wisdom. It prescribes the ways and the rules of conduct that lead to the promised beatitude and it forbids the ways that turn away from God. It goes on to say that the natural law which is inscribed by the Creator on the heart of every person consists in a participation in the wisdom and the goodness of God. So again, there's, there's an official declaration from the Catechism. But once again, we need to ask ourselves better questions. Is this uh-huh. pleasing to God? Am I living my life in a way that is following Jesus Christ? That's right. So again, that that helps as far as being able to ask the right questions. And, and we're not going to get it from our culture, especially here in the United States. Uh, in fact, the media and all the different forms of media that we're exposed to on a daily basis we're actually bombarded with anti-Christian and things that are contrary to the law of God. That's
2: right. And but to moral and natural what we law. Well, we said back on Monday, you know, we to, we started with Genesis. We're created in the very image of God. When you forget that, then you end up with a culture that is going the route that you're, uh, that mm-hmm. you're speaking of.
1: And the first sin that Adam and Eve uh, committed was disobedience. So again, we have this individualistic attitude and chip on our shoulder, if you will. And because of that, We ignore what's pleasing to God and we do what's pleasing to us, and that seems to be the focus of our culture here in the United States and and in particular the media. That's right. All right, let's let's go to question three thirty-four, which asks what connection is there between the natural
2: moral law and the law of the old covenant? And what they our listeners that is couldn't see, Tim, was when you read the question, law Of the old covenant was a capital L, Uh, and the uh, composers of the of the book purposely use a capital L there to say this is not just any law, any human law; it's divine law. It comes from God, and that's what the old covenant is—that covenant between God and the people of Israel. Uh, And because uh, uh, we had. begun to flounder in our understanding of who we were as we slipped further and further. <laughs> Go through those books of Genesis. Huh? Uh, after we sinned, first with disobedience in the garden that uh, got so bad, Cain was killing Abel, and so many people were sinning that finally God had to cleanse the world in the flood. Uh, but it's just a downward spiral, it seems like, um, away from this natural moral law. So uh, the 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 law of the old covenant that God brought to us in the time of Moses, expresses truths that by nature, the catechism says, should be evident to our very human reason. And now, because we be, it's like we got blinded. We, we weren't seeing that anymore as we slipped into sinfulness, into our human pride, um, the story of the uh, uh, of the Tower of Babel, huh? <laughs> another example that the, the Word of God was teaching us: uh, we need to humble ourselves. And uh, so God helped us by giving us the uh, the Old Covenant Law, uh, which is now proclaimed by the Lord. It, but it's, He's proclaiming truths that flow from our nature. He's not inventing some some new ideas that we didn't know before, uh, but we had forgot about them.
1: So question 335 asks: What significance? does the law of the Old Covenant have? Uh, and is it still relevant today? I
2: guess that would be the, the follow-up question. Sure, um, certainly the uh, the Torah, uh, which uh, the word, uh, Torah means the law. Huh? And uh, sometimes uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters would use that expression for the entire first Pentateuch, the first five books, uh-huh. the whole Pentateuch can be called Torah. Um, but the real centerpiece of all of it uh, when you get to Exodus 20, huh, for example, uh, when God reveals to Moses uh, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, uh, these these laws are the very will of God being told to the people of Israel um, as their way to move toward salvation. It doesn't say that the law brings them salvation, but they are moving toward it. Uh, if we wanna prepare ourselves for the promise God gave that at some future point, the child of the of the of Eve, huh, uh, will be the one. Your offspring will crush Satan, huh? Uh, that uh, God is going to win the victory for with us and for us. Um, uh, then He needs to help us prepare for that day of salvation. And so the Torah is for Israel, their way to salvation. Um, and we know that the law that Moses received does flow from our nature. Uh, Even though we know we can't be saved by it, uh, we still flounder. We know it makes sense. It just flows from who we are. Uh, We have to, let's think of a few of them, Uh, that you respect God. We were saying yesterday, take away God and where's our respect for anything? Uh, We begin to exalt ourselves, um, but only those who have the power to do that. Uh, We take away um, uh, respect for each other, our parents. The the Decalogue calls us to to respect the property of each other. Don't steal. Uh, Respect more the life of each other. Don't kill. Respect the bonding we have in marriage. Don't commit adultery against your marriage. So all these uh, principles of the Decalogue um, flow from the very nature of who God made us to be that we so easily can forget.
1: Well, I think it's uh, significant to point out that the first three commandments all relate to how we are to love God. And the first one is that there is only one God, and we're to love him, and we shall have no false gods besides him. The second one is that we are never to take his name, his holy name, in vain. And the third one is is that we're still, to this day, committed to being able to keep holy the Lord's day. And so those three laws are, are all towards God, how we are, because God should be first in our lives. And then... Our families and our friends, and then ourselves. Right. So again, today, unfortunately, especially in our country, we don't put God first. So many of us do say the Lord's name in vain, and the majority of us do not go to church, much less have a daily prayer life. So how tragic! That's- and so that that's where we're, we're we're finding that this law still has meaning and relevance today. And if we ignore that, we're seeing the fruits of that in all that's going on around us, from violence, unemployment, uh, abortion, contraception, on and on it goes. I mean, we're just seeing the fruits of it,
2: and it's all because we're not putting God first. And isn't that why Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, Uh, not at all. I came to fulfill it for you, to to bring it to fulfillment. So he, he was not coming to say, forget now the old, bring on the new, no the old flows right into the new. Uh, it's the same God, our Father, who gave us the Decalogue, the, the law, that now, he says, in Jesus, you'll find a way to live and fulfill all that I've taught you. And so, so, as Catholic Christians,
1: we believe that Jesus not only is the Word made flesh, but in Jesus Christ, we have the fulfillment of, I believe, 144 prophecies of the Old Testament fulfilled in the person of jesus christ so again he is the law he is the truth he hasn't changed but now as he comes uh, onto earth and becomes man truly god and truly man we can better understand who god is who is this god and how are we to love him and how are we to please him what can we do with our lives in order to please him
2: and you know that's why I think Tim the, the 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 larger catechism on which the UCAT is built takes time to say that the uh, they give us a just a little reminder that when Jesus uh, fulfills these commandments of God he gives us a way to, to live them in their fullness by what we call the Sermon on the Mount huh? and uh, beatitudes uh, that's right uh, they be, the, the whole sermon begins with those beatitudes blessed are those who are so poor in spirit, you know, they, they, they realize, they depend on God, uh, those who are, who are poor of heart, uh, you know, those who are pure of heart, and those who are merciful in their heart. And, uh, so he's, he's releasing, really, he, he's promising us a release of hidden potential, the catechism says, within us, uh, uh, so that we can really live the respect that we want to have, uh, the reverence for God, and the reverence we want to have for each other. That those two tables of the law, for keeping the commandments of God and those toward our neighbor, we can do them easily once we accept the beautiful Beatitudes
1: of Jesus. And that's a good point. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says over and over again, blessed are they who. So, again, our goal should be to grow in holiness and to become blessed as far as Christ is concerned. Not as far
2: as the world's concerned, but as far as Christ is concerned. That's right. And... It all is summed up. We call it the golden rule, don't we? Uh, It's so precious. What you want people to do for you, do for them. That's the law. That's the prophets of God. Excellent.
1: We've been listening to Father Don fight as we go through the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church. This has been Tim Perry reminding you that God loves you more than you can imagine. Bye for now.
0: This has been Faith with Father